Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In God's Word, we're going to pick up, uh, we're going to go back to the book of the month. You can take your Bible if you have it, turn to Jonah chapter 1. I thank God uh, if, 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 you, if you're one of those Bible-bringing folk, I love that. Take your Bible, uh, turn to John chapter 1. You're like, well, I can see it on the screen. You can. What if electricity goes out? Well, would we have church in the dark? Absolutely. Turn on all those little devices you got in your pocket and just flashlight this place right on up. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen soon. Uh, a guy by the name of George Barner predicted it years ago when people started putting verses on screens. He said it was causing people not to bring Bibles uh, to church. And he said one day when they don't let us bring Bibles to church, you'll, you'll wish that you still had that book in your lap. I'm not saying you should, you, I'm mad at you if you didn't bring a Bible. Bring it, bring it if you want to. The verses will be on the screen. But there is something about holding the Word of God in your hand. And I hope you do that every day. I remember when I first got saved, I used to go to sleep every night holding my Bible. And it, it, was, it was over the top. And there was nowhere, there's nowhere in this book that says, uh, fall asleep kissing the cover of your Bible and, and hold it all night long uh, like you're scared it's going to run away from you. But I hope that you have a high view of God's Word. Mm, a different message for a different time. Um, Jonah is the book of the month this month. It's a short four-chapter book. You can read it through in a very quick uh, time frame. And we're going to go back into uh, chapter one. We started in chapter one last week. We didn't get that far. Uh, so we're going to uh, pick back up where we left off. In Jonah chapter one, verse one, follow along as I read the word of the Lord. In verse one, the Bible says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a, bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. And I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, You Can Run, but you can't hide. Get ready for this. Part two. I haven't had a part two in six years. But God has something to say. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for allowing us to be here today. And God, I pray right now that you would hide me behind the cross. God, I pray that you would anoint my mouth and my mind to say only the things that would honor you. God, I pray that you would fill my mouth with the words that you would have us to hear today speak to us from your word by your spirit in jesus name amen you can run but you can't hide i told you last week the great boxer uh made that phrase famous before many of uh you were born in this room who, who was that great boxer that said you can run but you can't hide joe lewis the brown bomber uh well i can tell you one thing people learned that lesson before joe lewis uh, but Jonah learned that lesson well. We would all say, if I asked, if I started, if I went from Wayne all the way around the room, all the way back to Terry, and I said, can you hide 
from God. Everybody would say, oh, no, Pastor, God is everywhere. We serve an omnipresent God, an omnipresent God. Pastor, that means that God is everywhere at all times in the same capacity. And you'd be intellectual, you'd be philosophical, you'd be theological as you explain to me that you can't run away, you can't hide from God. But how many of y'all know Christians live that life constantly where they think they're outside of God's watching? I had a pastor, I don't really remember much about what he said because I was an unsaved member of his church. Uh, coming to church don't make you a Christian, amen? You've got to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. But I used to sit in his church and he would say stuff like, would you watch that TV show if God was sitting next to you? And everybody would be, ooh. Would you tell that joke if God was right there in the room? And everybody would be like, oh. I'm sitting there as a little kid thinking, you told us God's everywhere. What is this with if God was sitting next to you? I mean, but see, we, we know these things from childhood. God is everywhere. Say everywhere. But do we recognize that all the time? See, that's why some of you will have an encounter with God today and some of you won't. Because some of you recognize that this time is sacred, it's holy, that God is here and God has a purpose for what he's doing and a plan for what he wants to do in you. But people run. We saw Jonah, uh, God had, last week we saw God had a plan for Jonah's life, but Jonah didn't like that plan, so he ran. Jonah had done lots of cool stuff for God. Jonah, I told you last week, wasn't a coward. He, he was a prophet. He, 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 he prophesied uh, to lots of cities. And, and God told Jonah three things to do in these first three verses. He said, get up, go to Nineveh, and announce my judgment. And we talked a little bit last week about the word of the Lord never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you want to know what would Jesus do, just read what he did. If you want to know what would God say to you, read what he said. And God is still looking for people to get up. Look at somebody say, get up. It's time to be who God created you to be, to do what God created you to do, if you're ever going to get on with the getting on, now is the time. Too many people let procrastination sleep, uh, sneak up on them and stop them from doing everything. And God told Jonah what he told many people throughout uh, his Bible to get up and do what he has for them to do. And I believe God has something for us to do. I believe God has a plan for this church. I believe God has a plan for your life. I, I believe that God wants us to get up and get on with it. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Start doing what you know to do. Stop looking for the next great revelation. Stop looking for the next trendy fashion. Stop chasing trendy teachers and, and, and cool, cutting-edge, technologically sound ministries and start doing what God already told you to do. You'd be further on than you are. We saw God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. God had told Jonah to go to different places and prophesy to them. Hear, hear this real quick. Prophecy in God's mind, is not what people today call prophecy. Prophecy in today's world is almost always this thing right here. Mm, ha, mm, yeah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. God said, he's seen, it's always the same thing. He's seen your struggle. He knows the prayers that you've prayed. And your blessing is coming. Your miracle is on its way. God, uh, 
I just see, mm, yeah. the Spirit of the Lord has revealed to me on this side, this, this, this yes, this side. They're all, they're all stammering, stuttering, you know, schizophrenics. Mm, mm, put the stink face on. Mm, mm. Oh, oh, yeah, on this side of the room. There's somebody right, right in this section, right here. Oh, yeah, right in this. And they repeat themselves over and over again. Watch some of these people. It's insanity. And people flock to them. Mm. Somebody, right? Mm. I, I, can, I, can, I can even, I, oh, I feel it. So you, you, you've been suffering with lower back pain. Pain in your body, in your back area. You got to keep saying it and saying it to somebody, you know, like you see the eyes light up. He's talking about me. It don't take a prophet to point out a section of people that have more than two people sitting in it that are over 35 to say somebody dealing with back pain. Everybody start dealing with back pain at some point. Let me just ask, anybody in this room ever dealt with back pain on this side of the room? I got He's a prophet. Hmm. Somebody, in the, ooh, oh, just right over here. Right, mm, yes, hallelujah. Right here. There's a woman in this section. I could call you out, but I won't. Why not? I could call you out, but I won't. Mm, stink face again. You've been hurt by a man. And you're dealing with trust issues. And God said he sees your struggle. And he's about to heal all your hurt. This, uh, let, me, let me tell you. Uh, okay, just over here. Is there any woman in this section right here who's ever been hurt by a man that caused her trust issues? Anybody? Rest of y'all lying. That's not prophecy, and biblical prophecy does not result in your ship is coming in, God's seen how great you are, God's seen the millions of hours that you've prayed, and he's about to bless your socks off. Prophecy in the Bible is always this. You've been living shabby. You have violated God's commandments. You have not lived up to the covenant that God holds you under. You have sworn to do things that you have not done. And the judgment of God is coming. That's the only prophecy there is in the Bible. Well, that's the biggest form of prophecy. And look, Jonah was good at it. He wasn't going around. Listen, prophets today, they make big money. They go into churches. They make big money, and people leave saying, oh, I know she was a prophet. I know he was a prophet. They read my mail. That's a religious terminology. You got, you got a fooled. Uh, listen, you want somebody to read their mail? Go to Madame Dorena. Go ahead. I mean, if, if you just end, end the people lying to you, you think that these soothsayers and, and fortune tellers can't, can't sit you down and look at you and think, Deacon Dixon, why are you handed everybody? He sit down in front of the fortune teller. I just, I just see, I see you in a gym. <laughs> Do 
do, 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 do you go to a gym? Oh, I knew it! I knew it! That's foolishness. That's people. That, these, these are, this is not people who are prophesying. This is people who are prophet lying. They're, 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 they're pretending to know things about you that they don't know that God has nothing to do with just to make you think they're awesome and get your money. But when prophets show up for real, oh, they're going to tell you about your stuff. They're not going to tell you, you know, your ship's about to come in because here's the reality. If you ever get really close to God, you will fear God more. If you ever get really close to God, you will realize, oh, Jesus, please don't ever let my chickens come home to roost. Please give me mercy and not justice. The only person that ever could have possibly been halfway in his right mind that said anything like that was King David. I, when I, whenever I read what David said, I think, Lord Jesus, I, I'm, I'm not saying that, God. Please don't. David said, reward me. According to my deeds. Mm-hmm. I want mercy and I want grace. Anybody want mercy and grace? Amen. God had sent Jonah to prophesy to cities before. He sends him to Nineveh and, and, and something different response. He's like, no, I'm not having it. Don't want to go to Nineveh. And we looked last week and found out Jonah was a racist. These, these people were descended from the Assyrians who, who had oppressed God's people. Uh, the people of Nineveh had oppressed God's people, done horrible things, atrocities. They didn't just kill them. They ran plowshares over them, cut them up, hung their parts of their bodies from different trees. Uh, they, they were raping, pillaging destroyers. And they were oppressors of God's people. And I told you last week, it, it, would, be, it, it would be like ask, asking uh, John, uh, I, I can't help but call him John the Baptist. It would be like asking John, John the Baptist, uh, to, to go to a Klan rally and, 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 and get on his knees and wash the feet of the grand poobah and tell him, I love you so much, sir. I just want to see you embrace my Jesus. How many of y'all know? We better ask somebody else. John's not going to go do that. I believe if God told him to, he would. Or he might, you know, do what Jonah did. See, God asked Jonah. Jonah had done stuff for God. But when God asked him to do something that didn't make sense to him, he said, I'm not doing it. Jonah had followed God, but when God said, I want you to do this, Jonah got to the place in his life said, well, I've come as far as I can with this thing. I've obeyed and I've done everything, but I, I, I'm not going to do this. And so he did what most people do. He started running. And he found a ship that was sailing to Tarshish. And we looked last week, and I talked to you about geographically, God told him to go one direction. He went in the exact opposite direction. And they thought back then, uh, and some people, Kyrie Irving and a couple other people, still think the earth is flat. They were flat earthers back then, and they thought Tarshish was the end of the world, and there was nothing beyond it. So Jonah wasn't just running away from God. He was getting as far away from God as he humanly could. And he, he, he found, he found a, a boat that would take him away from God and and, and get him away from the pressure to do what God told him to do. And I told you last week, just because you can afford the fare doesn't mean you can pay the price. He had the money. And he, fa- he, had, he had the ability to get away. But he didn't consider, uh, of all the things I've said over the years, and I've told you, I'm not cliche driven. Uh, because most of them don't have solid biblical foundation in them. They're just folksy. 
But there's one cliche that is true for sure, and it's based in the truth of God's word. And it's, it's this, and I want you to hear this. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. See, Jonah decided, I'm not going to do what God told me to. That's sin. And he thought, I'll be okay because I'll, I'll get away. I'll remove myself from the situation. I just won't show up to church anymore. Let me tell you something. I don't believe Christians dive headlong into sin. I just don't believe anybody leaves their quiet time and just dives right into whoremongering and, and horrible things. What I think happens is the, the devil sets up traps and snares for us, and, and we try to do like beginning surfers try to do. We try to hang five off the edge of sanity. We, we, we try to just see, can I, can, how close can I get? And then, and then you start hanging ten, uh, and you just, you, just take, you just put one foot out of God's kingdom and into the world thinking, well, I'll just, you know, I won't go too far, but I'm, you know, it's time for me to have my fun. Let me tell you something. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And Jonah had a price to pay. He ran. But let me tell every runner in the world, God's the same today as he was then. God tracked Jonah down. He can track you down too. In verse 4, the Bible says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Get this, and I'm, I'm going to get through this chapter today, so I don't have time to preach heavy on everything I want to pull out. All I want to do, though, I hope I'll do this. I hope God will take something said today that will pique your interest and cause you to want to go home and study the Word of God in detail. American culture does not have it in them to allow men and women of God, Bible teachers, to explain any subject in an exhaustive manner. Because they're clock-watching people. American churchgoers are clock-watching people who want to get in, get out. I went to the largest pastor's conference in America when, when we first started this church. And the guy said, never stay longer than 59 minutes. People are busy, and uh, we're lucky to get an hour of their time. Don't abuse it. I thought, I've wasted my money. This guy don't know anything. He's teaching pastors how to pastor, but I, I'm not going to hold you here for four hours and teach all of this. I want you to read it and study it for yourself, but, but I want you to get this. Whatever you use to get away from God, hear me good. God's going to tear it up. God's going to tear it up. I have counseled people, uh, couples, married couples, engaged couples, uh, and, and, and had people say, well, I, I just, I, I believe God wants me to leave my spouse and go be with this other person. A, that's, that's retarded. That's a lie. That's not God. Uh, the Bible says if you're bound to a spouse, seek not to be loosed. you got to figure out how to make it work. That's like people saying, well, I just don't want to be friends uh, with Sonia anymore. God said you have the ministry of reconciliation. God wants you to reconcile at all times with, well, I'm just take my ball and go play somewhere else. You're weak in your faith. You need to swallow your pride and learn how to reconcile because here's the reality. Whatever you use to get away from God, another person, another ministry, uh, a, an addiction, a habit, a hobby, hear me good. God will tear it up. Well, how can you be so sure? Because I know him. 
I know I, I don't have to. Now there's some things I'd have to ask my mom. My mom's sitting right back there next, next, in between my sister and my, and my son. I don't have to ask my mom every question in life. I, I don't have to say, Mom, would, would you be okay if Dina just spit in your face right now and cussed you out and snatched your hair loose? No, Medina leaned over the other way because she knows mom can still beat her up. Don't play with red like that. She will, she will jerk your hair loose. I don't have to ask. There's certain things that I know about her. Why? Because I've been in relationship with her for 58 years. Almost 59 years. And I know God will tear up what you use to get away from him. Not just because I know him. He's revealed his character over and over and over in the Bible. The scripture says we have these stories for our examples. Learn from other people. Don't you wish your children would learn from the mistakes of others instead of wanting to make the mistakes themselves? Well, you made your mistakes, Dad. I just want to make mine. And my kid, when my kids have told me that, I remind them. I was unsaved. I had no father. I was raised in a dysfunctional house. I had barely had any sanity. In my, are you telling me right now that you don't have a father, your brain is shot, and you don't love Jesus? That shut down all that noise. Because I don't let those kind of people live in my house. But God is so consistent. And we need to learn from the mistakes of others. And I'm going to promise you again, whatever you use to get away from God, God will tear it up. So today, let's jump into some verses we didn't look at. I, 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 want, I want you to understand this, that Jonah didn't even see the storm coming. And his disobedience affected everyone around him. This is the lie of the devil. Well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Listen to me, closet pornographer. Why you got to call me? Well, you don't wear on your T-shirt, I watch porn every day. I, I, I wish I, I almost should. I almost should just get everybody in the room to raise their hand that believe pornography is a sin against the Most High God because it is. It's indecent. It's immoral. God created sex for inside the marriage. And, and it's so much problem. But listen, uh, whatever it is that you got going on, your secret sin, whatever your secret sin is, you, and, and you lie to yourself and say, well, it's not affecting anybody but me. I'm only hurting myself. No, you're hurting everyone around you. You're hurting your whole community. You're hurting the body of Christ, which you are a part of. We are members jointly fit together, and we all supply a need. And when your supply is weak, you're weakening the, you're weakening the strength of the chain that we are all bound together by. And I want you to stop thinking you're only hurting yourself with your closeted sin. It's hurting your family, it's hurting your community, and it's hurting the kingdom of God. People don't see what's coming. That's why they mess up. See, that's why people say, oh, I wish I could have known then what I what? Know now. You wouldn't have chose any better. <laughs> young and dumb is just young and dumb. But we got to learn how to make better decisions now at whatever stage we are in life. Listen to verse 5 in Jonah chapter 1. Follow along. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help 
and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. Now, I'll tell you all the time, pay attention to the punctuation when you read the Bible. Pause on punctuation. It'll help you understand the scripture. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit where you can understand it. Fearing for their lives. Now, we can make a lot of supposition about these people who we know to be the desperate sailors. We, we, we could say, uh, well, they were selfish or they were normal. Somewhere, there's some truth in all that, but they were concerned for themselves. How many of y'all know one of the hallmarks of people that don't truly follow God, they're more concerned about their own life than there are other people? How concerned are you for other people? See, anybody can be concerned for their own life, but they were fearing for their lives. The desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Okay, well, throwing cargo overboard to lighten the ship was a common practice of quality sailors. They were going into their emergency protocol. They were doing the right things, but listen to what kind of people they were. They shouted to their gods. Little G with an S is not Jehovah. Little G with an S is not the one true and living God. Little G with an S is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were polytheistic, unsaved people outside the covenant of the true and living God. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Jonah's down in the boat, knocked out of sleep. Now, that ought to remind you of somebody because in many ways, Jonah is a type of who? Jesus. Now, we, we study typology at Abundant Life. You ought to come out on Wednesday nights uh, and, and get involved in Abundant Life University where we look at the Bible in a more in-depth way. A type is an Old Testament picture of a New Testament event. A type is a foreshadowing of something that happened in the Old Testament that would be later revealed in the New Testament. Y'all remember how the Bible says, even as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, Jesus would be three days in the belly of the earth? So, so we see some similarities here. But I want to tell you this, Jesus was asleep at peace and confidence. Jonah was asleep at exhaustion and panic. Two totally different things going on. These sailors, they're freaking out. Now, how bad must a storm be for professional sailors to start throwing over the cargo they're getting paid to haul and, and, and fearing for their lives? I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't watched Deadliest Catch, get you some Deadliest Catch watching going on. When you see these people out in the middle of the Bering Sea and, and, and these big giant boats going like this and waves crashing over uh, and they're just smoking a cigarette and driving on into it, I'm like, you couldn't get me out on that boat? Seth told me one time, he's like, Dad, if they really make $30,000 in a month going out there, if they can make $90,000 in three months going out there, I ought to, I ought to strap Mm -mm. No, sir. Y'all know those people go overboard. They don't even throw a dinghy after them. They don't even throw a buoy after them. You get swept off that boat, you just, the sea got you. They don't panic. They, they don't panic. They, they just keep going. They're, they're, they're throwing thousands of pounds of steel pots down in the water and wave, boat going crazy, ice stacking up all around them, and they're just like another day at work. 
Sailors, that are, they're used to that kind of stuff. I, I, I remember Deacon Scott was with us one time. The church went on a deep-sea fishing trip. And I don't know anybody. That's, that You would be hard-pressed to find somebody who spent more time in the ocean on a big boat than Deacon Scott Mills. You, you, did you do some sea duty, Deacon? Did, was he gone a lot, Dina? A lot. He was always out to sea. He was on big boats. Listen, we went out on what looked like a big boat to me. I mean, it had like 32 bunk beds or not 32 beds stacked in bunks uh, down below. It had a kitchen. They fed us. They cooked on this boat. It felt like a big boat to me. Uh, wasn't a big boat to Deegan Mills. Not when you've been on the United States uh, Navy aircraft carriers and big old giant ships out in the middle of the ocean. But the wind picked up. And the waves got to rocking. But see, Deacon Scott had sea legs. You know what everybody else had? A section of that rail they were holding on to, hurling off the side of the ship. Experienced sailors don't get freaked out by a little storm. They were, they were desperate at this point. They were going to emergency measures. So what I want you to know, this was big time. This, listen. You start running from God, it's not going to be a little storm he sends your way. It's going to be a big, if the, uh, if the little storm can get your attention, it, it could be a little storm. But if he needs to bring the rain, he can bring it. And he is seriously bringing it. But Jonah, he's asleep. He's not asleep because he's comfortable and confident. He's asleep because he's exhausted. I'm going to tell you this. It is exhausting to be a Christian and not living for God. I believe the hardest place in the world to be is to be a true born-again believer, half in and half out. Because if you're truly saved, you can't enjoy your sin. There's a Holy Spirit inside you screaming alarms off at you, telling you that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing that, you better get right. There, there, there's Father God saying, don't make me bring my belt over there. There, there. You just can't enjoy it the way lost people enjoy it. And if you're truly saved, you can't, you can't enjoy that sin. You, you got so much conviction on you. You can't serve God the way you want to. Uh, Jonah is exhausted, and he's down there asleep. Verse 6 says, so the captain went down after him. Let me tell you something. If an unsaved boat captain can find the person that's running away from God, how many of y'all know God can find him too? <laughs> you're not hard to find no matter where you are on the planet. Somebody can find you, and God can, is already wherever you go. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. So this boat captain, unsaved heathen, just praying to every God that there is, and they're like, let's just pray to all the gods, maybe one of them. They're playing, you know, roulette with which God's going to help us today. Uh, if you ever have somebody in your family, your co-worker, your friend, somebody in your uh, circle of influence that tells you, well, I study all world religions because you know I'm an intellectual realize that they think they're smart but they're wasting their time there's only one true God you don't need to waste time studying other stuff here's a side note for you when people work at the Federal Reserve when they work with money they they don't give them a they they, they never tell them look at this nine dollar bill this is fake don't have to you know why because they spend so much time dealing with the real stuff they know what fake stuff is a mile away. You don't need to be studying other religions. You need to be studying the real one and true religion of Christianity. But these people, they got multiple gods. They're like, what's wrong with you? You've lost your mind. 
It's bad when, lo when lost people realize you, you're out of your head. So get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Well, there's one big problem with that. Jonah's God was somebody he was running from. Jonah wasn't talking to God anymore. How, how many of y'all know one of the first things to go when you stop following God the way you should is your prayer life? You feel uncomfortable praying to a God you know you're violating all his commandments. You, you, you realize if you study the Bible, God says that I want to hear you. If, if, if you're holding on to sin in your life, I want him to hear you when you pray. But, but this captain said, you know, maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. This is just desperation. This, is, this isn't love of Jehovah. This is just uh, selfish trying to stay alive prayer. In verse 7 he said, Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. I love lot casting because I love the game Yahtzee. And Yahtzee is the closest thing we have to lot casting now. They would take, everybody would grab a stone, grab whatever they had close to them. You figure out, okay, mine's the one that's got this little mark on it right here. Put them in a cup, shake it up, throw it out. Whichever one came out first, that's who was guilty or that's who was going to be picked to do whatever task they were. That's what it means to cast lots. Uh, they believed that God, they did have this part right, God determined which thing came out of the cup first. That's why the book of Proverbs says, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. I like the way it says it in the New Living. We're the ones who throw the dice, but God determines how they fall. So at least they knew this much. Uh, that lot thing uh, works. And when they did this, the lot identified Jonah as the culprit. <laughs> Hear me good. You're in trouble when the lost people that you're hanging out with as you run from God figure out that you're bringing problems into their life. Let's keep going. Verse 8 says, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They're trying to figure out uh, which God have you offended? It's got to be tough for Jonah. This has got to be tough for Jonah right now because he, he knows all the answers and, and the answers should be convicting him. Jonah answered in verse 9, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. See how singular this is? The Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Now they're not hearing about this single God right now. What they're hearing, because they believe there was a God of the mountain, a God of the hill, a God of the moon, a God of the stars, uh, a, a, a God of everything. And when he said that he worshiped the God who made the seas, they're like, aha! You better do something. You better fix this. In verse 10, the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. When lost people start making more sense than you're making, you're heading in the wrong direction. They're like, why would you run from the, why would you get on a boat running from the God who made the ocean? Do you get that? Why would you do that? Listen, if, if you believed in lots of gods and you believed there was a God of airplanes who, who blessed airplanes to, to not crash and you were, you were running from the God of the airplane, don't get on an airplane. They're like, are you insane? Let me tell you something. They're speaking wisdom because it's insanity for a believer to run away from God when you already know he's everywhere. 
You can't use anything to get away from him because he made everything. You can't go anywhere. He can't find you because he's already there. Verse 11, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, comma, ooh, I don't have time, but I wish I did. Guess what happens when you're running away from God, not being who God wants you to be, and things start getting bad, guess what they're going to get if you keep doing it? Worse. Well, y'all are smart when you're sitting in church. Things were getting worse how often? All the time. You think you can truly be saved? Listen, here's a test for you. If you can walk away from God, if you can walk away from your prayer life, if you can walk away from your Bible study, if you, if you can live a life not singing songs of love and praise and worship to God, if you can do all that and just keep going on life business as usual, extra, extra, read all about it, newsflash, you ain't saved. Because if you're saved, things are going to go from bad to worse. You just can't go business as usual backsliding. Storm is getting worse all the time. If it happened to him, it'll happen to you. Why? Because God never changes. They asked him, okay, worshiper of God of the ocean, what should we do to stop this storm? <laughs> well, he gave them an answer they weren't ready for. In verse 12, he said, throw me into the sea. This dude has lost his whole mind at this point. These people are desperately scared of the ocean that's raging against them. And Jonah's like, I'm out of answers. Do not be this crazy. When your storm starts getting worse around you, here, here, here's, here's a great idea. Repent. Change the direction that you're going. God made a great promise to us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are, I, tell, I tell you all the time, we're only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. Why would you say, well, throw me into the raging ocean? Okay, crazy man. You start getting away from God and you're a real Christian, sanity is, is drifting. Power, love, and a sound mind, I've told you. It's what God gives us. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, that's what God gives you. You, you start taking God out of the equation, you get storms in your life, and your, your solution is, well, let me just, you know, just toss me in the middle of it. Let's see how that works out. Throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. If it's all your fault, should you commit suicide and enlist others to murder you, or should you take personal responsibility for what you've done wrong and ask the one true living God to forgive you and straighten up and fly right? He's, he's not thinking clearly. And I'm going to tell you something. No matter how smart you think you are, you start running away from God. And listen, you don't have to leave the church to run away from God. You don't have to get involved in drugs and alcohol to run away from God. You don't have to get involved in, in some twisted, crazy lifestyle to, to run away from God. If you ever been closer to God than you are right now. You've run away from him. And you need to get back to it before the storm gets worse in your life. If you know it's your fault, then do something to correct it. Don't do something crazy. Verse 13, the sailors, the sailors do. That's crazy. You, you, you're out of your mind, son. You want to ask us to commit murder on you? Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. 
But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Oh, people run to worldly folk and think worldly people are going to help bail you out. They tried. And you might have some unsaved friends that you think got your back, and they'll take you back in. Listen, these people tried, but they could not make it. I want to tell you something. You can't outfight God. No matter how good you are at what you do, no matter how proficient you may be at your craft or your skill set, you cannot overpower God. He's not just God of the ocean. He's God of everything. And he will get his work done. God's, listen, I've told you this many times. If God is telling you to do something, you got two choices. Do it or die. That's it. Do it or die. Because God's not going to change his mind about his word. God's not going to change his mind about obedience. God's not going to change his mind about right and wrong. It's like I've told you before. If I tell my children, get up and, and take that trash out, I don't mean after this show's over. I don't mean can you do it before you go to bed. I don't mean can we have a discussion about it. They're gonna get, it might result in some discipline. It might result in some uncomfortableness for them. But guess what's going to happen at the end of the day? That trash is going out. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father and the way he... he, he deals with us if you if God's already told you to do something you can do it or die or you can do it get get punished go through storms tear a bunch of stuff up and then end up doing it anyway wouldn't it be wouldn't it be smarter just to get your mind right with God and do what God told you to do and be blessed for it instead of being chastised into it they couldn't make it verse 14 says then they cried out to the Lord Jonah's God who should have cried out to Jonah's God? These people have no sway with God. These people have no ability to talk to God. That's like me telling y'all, I'm going to call Obama today and I'm going to let him know you've been slipping. Well, I'm going to just make up a number and dial it. I don't even know the phone number. These people have no ability to have a conversation with God to fix something. They cried out to the Lord Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. They're about to kill him. They know they're about to kill him. But in their mind, because lost people don't understand spiritual things properly, that's why I laugh when people check these boxes on social media, spiritual but not religious. Why don't you just say you're unsaved and you hate Jesus? Because that's what that box means. So they're, 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 they're trying to hedge their bets. They're like, we're about to murder this man. His God is the God of the ocean. The same ocean that we're going to toss him into might jump up, grab us, throw this whole boat down into the bottom of it. So they're like, don't hold us responsible for his death. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Now they want to put God on, on measure. They want, they want to take God to task. And they're like, hey, this is all on you. We're innocent over here. Nobody innocent but Jesus. Verse 15 says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. <laughs> How crazy must that have been? There's a teaching point here. Stop hanging around people that God is chastising. Stop hanging around people that are running from God. Quit putting yourself in position to be caught up in somebody else's storm. As soon as they got rid of the offender, life, life got better. Some of y'all need to cancel some folk out of your life. Some of you need to cut some people loose 
Some of you need to focus more on what God has for you instead of what people have for you. They tossed him out. Things got better. They were like, oh, bet. Verse 16, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. In their mind, they're thinking, oh, he is the God of the ocean. Check that out. So they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. We don't know what it is. And, and here's what's hilarious. What people, what unsaved people call a sacrifice, usually not a sacrifice. In my mind, here's what I picture them doing. These, these are paid sailors. They are paid to carry stuff from port to port. I, I, my, my opinion, my thought, I can't verify it. It's not, that's not what God's saying. It's what I'm saying. I think they probably reached into somebody else's treasure box, grabbed a handful of coins and said, I give this to you, God. That's not what God wants. What did David say? I won't offer God anything that costs me nothing. I believe this sacrifice was sincere. I don't, I, uh, they vowed to serve him. I, I, don't, I don't see any evidence of that. I don't know one way or the other, but don't play with God. Verse 17, we're getting out of here. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Are you kidding me? Going about his business, serving God. Doing hard things God told him to do. He finally decided, I've, I, I, I'm not going to do it anymore, God. I've had enough. I'm up to here with it. I've done everything you asked me to do, but I'm not doing this thing. I gave up everything, but I'm not giving up this thing. You, you come into this racial thing. You want me to love my oppressor. You want me to do stuff that goes against my grain. That's not my truth. I don't feel that. I'm triggered by it. All these foolish things. You put your feelings in front of what God wants you to do. And so he runs away from God. He went from being the man of God to running away from God. And here's the thing. It's for our example. If you have any relationship with God at all, you start walking away from what God has called you to do. Guess what's going to happen? Storm's going to happen. You're going to get around people that don't love your God. They're going to throw you out in, in, into the storm. And look, it doesn't get any better from there. I mean, this guy's already got woke up out of a nap. How many of y'all know that's horrible? Wake up out of a nap, find himself in the middle of a panic, professional sailors freaking out. They, they, they attempt suicide slash murder. He's like, okay, well, at least the storm's not violent anymore. You got to think, if you're Jonah and you get thrown out into 60-foot waves crashing everywhere, it's a violent storm, and they throw you out, and you're in the ocean, you're like, oh, well, I got it now. Okay, good. Thank you, God. I, I can float here till the next boat comes along. I mean, I don't like swimming because I'm old and fat, and it's exhausting, but I can float forever. I just back float. Just wait. But guess what? Jonah, Jonah thought it was going to get better. It doesn't get better from there. If you want life to get better, you got to what? Do better. Jonah hadn't got to the place yet in his life where he's doing better. So it goes from bad to what? Goes from bad to worse. <laughs> a great fish to swallow Jonah. Listen, do not fall in with liars. Who, who, who are the liars you're talking about, Pastor Scott? Anybody who says this story is a metaphor, an analogy, anybody who says it didn't happen this way, anybody who says it's impossible for your human being to live inside of a fish for three days without dying from stomach acids, choking to death, drowning to death, do not fall in with liars. If God wants to put you inside the belly of a fish for three days, it's no big thing for God. This is a factual story. This is not some fairy tale. This isn't some, some uh, just 
story to, to teach a truth. No, this happened. This man, Jesus verified that this was factual. This is historical. This isn't something, some lesson in life, deeper meaning stuff. No, dude got swallowed by a big fish. And he lived inside that. Well, I just don't believe that could happen. Um, I'm an, I, I studied the human body. and God can do what he wants to do. It's God's world. God created everything. Nothing exists outside the control of God. And if God wants to put you in a storm, have people try to murder you, have you want to try to commit suicide, well, I'll just kill myself to get out of all the struggle. Well, guess what? No, you won't. You, you, you blow half your face off and end up living the rest of your life in a, an insane asylum. But if God's not ready for you to go, you'll still be here, going from bad to worse. And then it goes to this fish for three days and three. Listen. It's like Pharaoh. I preached a message one, night, one time called One More Night with the Frogs. Moses told this dude, all you got to do is let God's people go. And all these plagues will get off you. Pharaoh was like, I ain't going to do it. You got magicians, turn a, turn a stick into a snake. I got magicians, turn a stick into a snake. You got magicians, turn water into blood. I got magicians, to turn. But them frogs were on his nerves. Y'all remember the plague of the frogs? The Bible says they were everywhere. They were in the food. They were in the kneading trough. They were in the bedchamber. They were in his pillow, in his bed. He was stepping on them everywhere he went. It was like, I can't do it no more. Y'all get him in here. I got to cut a deal. The man of God says, let, it, let, it people, let, let, let God's people go, and all these frogs will go away from you. All your troubles will be gone. All your heartache, all this punishment will be gone. You heard that message. You remember what, what Pharaoh said. What did, what did he tell the man of God? Come back tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. He decided to spend one more night in misery rather than just do what God was telling him to do. You think, well, that's just, that's just beyond stupid. Hello. How many times have you willfully spent one more night in the mess instead of repenting now? Man, now is the right time. Now is the pointed out. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I came to help you today. This is the word of the Lord. There's deliverance from whatever mess you're in right now. But if you won't cry out and repent to God, your deliverance is not coming. You can stay one day in your mess. You can stay 100 years in your mess. Why would you choose to spend one more minute in your mess when God already said that if you will obey me, I will bless you? Why would you choose? Should he have stayed three days in this fish? Or should he have repented right after? You get swallowed up by, most people in the room are like, well, if that happened to me, man, if I'm swallowed up by fish and I'm living inside this fish, and I, uh, I would cry out to Jesus. Maybe. Let me ask you this and I'm done. How much worse has it got to get in your life for you to cry out to Jesus? How many more storms do you have to go through before you'll cry out to Jesus? How, how, how much darkness and pain and suffering do you have to bring on your family, your friends, your world before you'll cry out to Jesus? 
Don't just stay in the mess. Get out of the mess. In the very next verse, we, we find chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, then. When is then? It's after. After all that stuff happened. After he willfully stayed in his be fish's belly for three days. Jonah prayed to the Lord. His God. Not their God. Not his God's. Not a little G with an S on the end of it. He prayed to his God. Do you have a God? Is the Most High God your God? Are you a child of the Creator of everything that there is who holds the whole world in, in, in the palm of his hand? When your life goes bad, you don't have to stay in your mess. You can call out to your God. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. What happened? Jonah's starting to think straight, finally. So what do we see? Well, first thing we saw is you can run, but you can't hide. Stop thinking you're running away from God. Stop thinking you're running to something else. There is nothing else. Stop thinking you'll try something else. There is nothing else. There is no God like Jehovah. There is no life, abundant life, outside of Jesus Christ. There is no relationship with any God ever other than with the true and living God through His Son, Jesus, who said, I'm, no one can come to the Father except through me. There's nothing else. Stop searching for meaning in life. Stop searching for your path. Stop trying to, listen, if you ever said this or thought this, you don't have to slap yourself hard, but wake up. I'm trying to find myself. No, the devil is distracting you from finding God. We are not that important. We are a blink on a planet vastly way bigger than we can imagine in a universe way bigger than we can we are a speck in a moment of time but God is huge and he's all by himself and you need to stop looking for other things and turn to God and pray to your God from inside your mess wherever you are right now you can run but you can't hide second thing you need to realize how much your sin uh, you never realize how much your sin is going to cost you till it's too late you want to destroy one more life? You want to bring pain on somebody else you love? You want to cause disaster in one more group? You, you want to bring hardship on your own family? You, you want to bring destruction on people you care about? Well, I don't believe a loving God would do that. You read the Bible. God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention. And if you hear his first call and you respond, you don't have to deal with his second call. Third thing you ought to realize is not just your life you're wrecking when you run from the Lord. It's consequences to sin. Many times you see other people paying the price for your disobedience. You need to avoid that. Last thing, when you run from God and go to the world, they're just going to throw you out. Because they care more about themselves than they ever care about you. And when they do, 
not over. God's just going to be there waiting to swallow you up with the next mess. Whether it's a fish or more drama or whatever it is. I'm done with this. Hear me good and I'm finished. Why go through all that hassle? Why go through all that hardship? Well, I need to find my own way. No, you don't. You need to find God. Well, I want to travel my own path. No, you don't. The devil's lied to you and made you think that sounds right. It's not. You need to follow God's path. You need to get connected to God. And you need to stop straying away. And you need to realize he loves you too much to let you go. See, if you can walk away from God and have no burden with it, you're not saved. But if you are saved, he's not going to let you walk far away. What did Jesus say when he was on this planet? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In agricultural terms, they knew about yoking animals together. They would take a strong ox, put it in a yoke with a weaker ox. Because the weaker, younger, less obedient ox would be prone to go in the wrong direction. But if he had something wrapped around his neck that was wrapped around the stronger ox's neck, he could try to pull away, but that big ox wasn't going to let him go anywhere. You're not going to drag the big ox off track. And if you're in a yoke with Jesus, guess who the stronger ox is? He's not going to let you stray if you stay close to him. He's going to keep you on the right path. And that's not boring and tired and weak and lame. That is what real life is all about. Start living the life that the Holy God designed for you. Realize you have opportunity and access to talk to the only God that there is. Realize that the God that created the earth, who spoke all things into existence by his own power, cares about you and wants to talk to you. Oh, that's better than going your own way. That's, I'm trying to find myself. You do yourself a favor by finding God. So get up and do what God called you to do. Start being the man, the woman that God wants you to be. If you're here and you're not saved, ask God to save you. You're not here by mistake. God loves you. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. God is bigger than church. It's good to be in church, but that won't get you to heaven. You need to have a life-changing, radical Experience with a true and living God that blows you up from the inside out and changes everything about you. See, because here's what I learned. You can try to keep rules and regulations. You can try to do what's right and avoid what's wrong. But you can't do it. There's only one person that can live the Christian life correctly, and that's Christ. Give up on willpower. Give up on religion. Give up on trying to be a better person. And fall on the mercy of the court. And ask the true judge to forgive you of your sins. To save you. To fill you with his spirit. And put you on the path he wants you to be on. Because every other path ends up in a raging ocean filled with problems. Swallowed up by a fish with people trying to kill you. And that's no life to live. God's got a better plan for you. See, God had a plan for Jonah, but he ran away from it. And it ended him up in a mess. Learn from his mistake. Get on with what God. Well, pastor, what does God want? tell you one thing he wants you to give him thanks 
He wants you to open up your mouth all day, every day, thanking Him. Thanking Him. Stop thinking life has dealt you so bad. Stop thinking you're so oppressed. Stop thinking you're such a victim. Stop thinking that the world's not fair. Stop thinking that you got the short end of the stick. And start thanking God for what you have. The Bible says that is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That you give Him thanks. I don't know where God wants you to go to college. I don't know where God wants you to work. I don't know what God, what, what, what kind of car God wants you to drive. But I do know His will for your life is that you open up your mouth and you start thanking Him all day, every day. He said that's what praise is. The fruit of your lips giving thanks unto His name. You need to start having a thank you Jesus life. Wake up thanking God. Thank God for everything, good, bad, and sideways. Thank God for life. Thank God for oxygen. Thank God for atmosphere that, that allows you to exist inside it. Thank God for chairs that don't break when you sit in them. You'd have been upset and looked silly and everybody laughed at you. You'd have sat down in that chair today and it just exploded on you. But I don't believe there's one person in this room today that thank God for the chair holding them up through this whole service. Well, that's just silly, Pat. No, it's not. No, it's not. If your refrigerator's still working, most people didn't thank God this morning that their refrigerator was still working. Why not? Because if it went out, you'd have sure been angry. I want you to start thanking God for every single thing you could possibly imagine. Thank God, because without Him, it'd be a whole lot worse. If it had not been for the Lord, where would you be? We need to get our minds right. We need to start thinking about God. We need to start being more thankful. There's a thanksgiving problem in the body of Christ in 2022. We get distracted. Oh, what about all the gun control issues? Sure, solve that. Take guns away from innocent people and the crooks will give all theirs up. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be drama. There's always going to be pain. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be oppression. There's always going to be victimization. There's always going to be all these different things. We can't control that. What you can control is you. And whether or not you're willing to open your mouth and say, Thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today. And I pray that you would overwhelm us with a need to thank you more. You have done all things well. God, I pray for every person in this room that's not truly saved, that you would draw them by your spirit to a true relationship with you. God, I pray for every true Christian, Lord, that you would make us more thankful. Help us, God, to have a greater sense of urgency to be and do all that you've called us to be and do. Thank you, God, for not killing us when we've run from you. Thank you, God, for your love, your patience, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, God, for being a long-suffering God. Thank you for the plan that you have for this earth. And we agree with your plan, God. Your plan is right. Your plan is good. And so we ask you to let your will be done in our lives, even as it's done in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry 
allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.